You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. 1 Peter chapter 2. Stand with me. When you get there, First Peter chapter 2, be in verse 9 this morning. The Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for this uh, time you've given us, for the chance you've given us to assemble here, Lord. I pray that you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, draw seats closer to one another as you draw us closer into yourself, and we'll never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. So here we are together. The people of God assembled in the church, and the church, if you've been listening to my preaching at all, at any time in the past, is one of my favorite topics to preach about. And throughout the past few months, we've uh, spent time together going through the Word, and uh, it's been my earnest desire that we ready ourselves as the people of God for things that are about to occur around us. Now, that sounds ominous to say it that way. But the reality is that you and I live in a time and in a place where things are changing rapidly. And the church has a role to play in the days to come. And you and I, as the church, must be prepared and ready uh, to face that. The good news is that we won't be alone, that we serve a big God. We serve a big God. So this morning I want to talk a little bit more about the church, God's people. Of course, you and I know that while we're in a building this morning, we necessarily don't have to be. That the church that we know and that we're a part of is a group of people that have gathered around a common purpose. The word church in the Greek is ecclesia. Am I saying that right? Ecclesia, I was close. That's pretty good for me this early in the morning. Now that Greek word is used roughly a hundred times in Scripture, but it, um, it's not about a building or a location. It's not about a place that we can go to. It is about a people. It's about God's people. And when they assemble together uh, to worship and to carry out His purpose, you know, you and I, 
this morning, if anyone stopped us on our way here, we would have said that we are going to church. But the reality is that we are the church. This is basically what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He was reminding them that we are to give our lives over to Christ and that we're united together as part of God's family. It's a forever family. There's things that bring us together and hold us together. We're linked together by a common purpose, as I mentioned earlier. This purpose drives everything that we do. I don't know if you've thought about that. If you sit back and think about these things on why it is that we assemble, why it is that we uh, come to this location and gather together, but it is for a purpose. There is something larger than us that directs our activities, that demands our attention. Now, for each church, each gathering of people, the answer to that question can unfortunately be different. In some churches, they're driven by tradition. That's the purpose that they focus on. What, most of what they do centers around what they have always done. It worked well in the past, and people like it, so we continue to do it. Some churches' purpose is finances. And this kind of church, anything uh, that's discussed or anything that is done is driven uh, by money. Either it affects the de every decision that's made. In some churches, they're driven by their buildings. Uh, Churchill once said, we shape our buildings and then they shape us. And there's a lot of effort and time poured into uh, the property and their facility. And they place their entire focus and purpose on this area. Now, while all those, and, and there's a host of other ones that we could list and talk about this morning, but you and I gathered as the church and as the people of God with a focus and a purpose uh, should be to the exclusion of all those things I mentioned. Tradition, finances, uh, the building. Uh, if those are what the church focuses on, a serious, serious, serious mistake is being made. Amen. Our purpose and our church and the reason that we assemble is focused on one thing, to enlarge the size of heaven by making as many disciples as possible. Amen. Making disciples is our focus. It is our purpose. It is the reason that we gather together. It is what you and I cannot do alone. We do that better together. And God's designed it that way. Now, we're linked together by a common place. We assemble here on Sunday mornings. And it's important uh, to us to realize that was, as we invite people to come be a part of the church, we're not just inviting them to this location, but we're inviting them in to be one of us. And that's where the invitation extends. It's not just geographically being here at a certain point in time in the week. When we extend an invitation, when we invite someone to church, we must open our circle 
and invite them to be one of us. Amen. Now, there, there's a gate there. There's a qualifier there. They must believe and trust in a Savior, the same God of the Bible, the work that's done on Calvary. But that is their only prerequisite. It is the only thing required to be a part of the church. If the church was dependent on locations and buildings, it would not have lasted thousands of years. The church is God's people gathering together around a common purpose, making disciples. We do, we, we do that in a building because it's easier, right? Uh, but it doesn't have to be inside these four walls. If you read through the New Testament, you read through uh, Christ's discussion with the disciples, you'll understand that what Christ is really saying is that the church will be unstoppable. That united around the purpose of making disciples, carrying the good news into the four corners of the world, that we would be doing God's work and empowered by God to do those things. And gladly, it is not dependent on our abilities, right? Amen. If you guys were trusting in my abilities, you have trusted incorrectly, right? You've trusted incorrectly. But you and I rest assured that the power of God uh, will be fulfilled in our lives, in our families, in our community, and that you and I will one day gather in a different location, right? You and I will gather one day in a different location. And I want you to think about that. We'll put aside our sin nature and we'll move into our new home. Amen. And we'll be there together. And I'm pretty happy about that, right? Not only for me, but also for us. Being part of this church here on Vine Street, we love everybody. I do. It's been a phenomenal experience in my life. But I could not imagine being there without you. Have you thought about that? That these people that you see every week, that we'll see forever, one day soon. our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to live together for a very, very long time. I hope that me and mom are neighbors in heaven, but not exactly in the same house. There'll be a, I'm praying for a little distance in the forever, but whatever the Lord sees fit. Yesterday, we, you, you kind of pick up things if you're listening to us. We talked about recording a podcast with Brother Bill, and I want to go through that, because understanding that we're a people and that uh, we're called to, for a purpose. And you and I are sitting here today. I don't want, let, me, let me pause that for a second. But we, we gathered yesterday, and it's a, it was a wonderful uh, blessing to sit down uh, and be me among 
good brothers in Christ with a lot of ministry experience sitting around the table and listening to them uh, praise God for what he has done throughout the year. Now, you'll get a chance to hear some of that as soon as we uh, get it published and get it out there. But one thing happened that really caused me to think yesterday. And it, it was a reaction. Uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, Brother Bill uh, Loudermilk is the pastor at the Way of the Cross Church. It's located over on Beatrice, the, the number I'm not sure of, uh, but kind of back behind in the heart of what we always call the Valley Platte uh, by Stebbins High School. It's a fairly large building and piece of property, and the people that gather there are just absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've known Brother Bill for as long as I've been in the ministry. I met him uh, through Jason Johnson, and uh, Bill and Jason's relationship is much like me and Brother Jim's relationship. Uh, so it was, it was a true blessing to sit around the table uh, yesterday, but I'll get back to that. Brother Jim and Brother Bill were talking, and uh, we were talking about family members, and um, we, we kept using the term prodigal son. And I'm sure, as you and I said here, that, that you're familiar with those scriptures. If, you, if you're not, you can turn over to Luke uh, chapter 15. After we left, I was, I was going through it a little more last night. So, Brother Jim tells uh, Brother Bill about uh, grandchildren that once preached and are not now. And Brother Bill does something that I, I don't know why I didn't think of it. I don't know why Mark didn't think of it. As soon as he hears that news, as soon as he understands it, Bill starts to pray. He doesn't say, I understand. He doesn't say, I've seen that before. He doesn't say that he's going to pray for them. He doesn't ask permission to pray. He simply prays. And as I left there, I thought about that all day long. And you and I are sitting here today because somebody prayed for us. I don't know if you realize that or not. No matter how you came to know Christ, somebody, I promise you, was praying for you. Now, you had to hear the good news. You had to hear the gospel. I understand that. Somebody had to do more effort. But I can't imagine a scenario where somebody just goes and tells the good news of Christ without praying for the people that they tell it to. So you and I are sitting here because somebody prayed for us. And probably, if you've had a longevity in the church we're physically sitting here because someone has prayed for us. Not only our salvation, but our health and wellness as well. So as we're gathered together as the church, let, let, let me read through. If you're over there in Luke chapter 15, they, and we're all familiar with, this, with the uh, parable of the prodigal son, uh, but if you get down to verse 17, this is after uh, the son is facing famine. He's feeding the hogs. He is jealous of what the hogs are eating. Verse 17 in the beginning says, And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, and last night when I read through that and I thought about the day, 
I realized that I cannot bring someone to themselves. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. So when Brother Bill starts to pray, he's praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. He's praying for those lost loved ones, for lost grandchildren that once served God, to serve God again, to heed his voice. He's praying that they come to themselves, that they realize what it is. Now, you and I, we're, we're, we're using them as an example, but you and I both have family members and loved ones that fit that same description. Once they knew God, and now they don't. And they're in a position where they need to come to themselves. And what you and I say, I don't think has any, I don't want to say it has any real meaning, but I promise you, I'll say it this way, uh, the power of prayer and the conviction of the Holy Spirit amounts to way more than you and I could ever do. Right? And you and I as the people of God need to get serious about our prayers for one another's lost loved ones and family members. Now, we're a praying church, and, and I believe that. And we're around some wonderful saints of God that simply um, pray, and I trust them, and I believe that they're praying for us. Uh, if you read on Facebook, or Mom didn't go into too much detail, uh, last weekend, all last weekend, I was trying to set up the uh, time for mom to have the pick line inserted. And, of course, if you were here, mom requested prayer. She did not want to have that done. She had told the doctors that she did not want to have that done, and I said, if, if that's what works, then that's what we'll do. And we were setting it up, and there was a lot of miscommunication. It went on all weekend. She really should have had it done on Thursday or Friday, but God had other plans, and it just got delayed. Now, I can't see it in the middle. I'm, I'm getting kind of upset and angry that this isn't taking place as it should be. But on Sunday, as, as we realized that it would probably take place on Monday, mom started to pray. I started to pray for her. I, I didn't really have the faith to pray in that way. I was just praying that the Lord would guide us in what we were doing. But mom, she's praying that it won't happen at all, right? She's calling people. She calls a dear sister, and, and I know that she was praying. And Monday, I called. I got everything set up. I was pretty proud of myself. And immediately, within 15 minutes, my phone rings, and the, it's the uh, young girl at the doctor's office, whom we know well. She did not say hello. She didn't ask me how I was doing. She simply said, does she have that pick line yet? And I said, no, not yet. And she said, good. Uh, she doesn't have to. And I, I sat back in my chair and I thought, yet again, Mother uh, has the faith and we serve a big, wonderful, wonderful God that knows our comings and our goings and what we're dealing with on a daily basis. And the power of prayer and collective prayer where the saints of God pull together and pray and things start happening. And here we sit together. Inside a building, as the people of God, we are neither rich nor poor nor Democrat nor Republican nor white or black or Latino. We are simply the people of God. Our message is the same, that Christ saves, that there is hope in the blood that was shed on Calvary, that salvation is available 
to all those who believe and that we're here praying, not only for health and wellness, which I think we do a good job on, but we're here praying for salvation as well. Now, I told you that the church is going to face things that we've never faced. And I believe that. It, it's already started. The, the prayers that are necessity, that are a necessity during a pandemic, that's our job. If we don't do that, nobody else will. I don't know if you realize that or not. Um, so we have to be serious about our prayers, serious about our testimonies. When the answers come, we should, we should testify about that. When the answers come, and when they're delayed, I promise you, uh, it'll all work out to the glory of God. There's a testimony when they're delayed, and there's a testimony when the answers know. And that's, that is our role, linked together forever as God's family. Stand with me this morning.